0: Thank you, Pastor. I don't know how many of you know his daughter, Erica. She's quite an inspiration to me. She's uh, had every negative thing happen to her, and she never complained or whined. And when I look at her, she works works with crutches, you know, and she would be, most people would let the government support them and just stay at home and uh, and just be uh, handicapped. Be handicapped, but she's not this girl. She didn't stop. She carried on studying, and she got a degree, and became a school teacher. And she drives her own car. And then she married this wonderful man. And then now they just bought their own house. They just—they're just not stopping with every obstacle. It's so easy to get whiny and complain. Even my own children do that. I have to remind them to recite to me what they have more than they recite what they don't have. And that's always been my motto in life. It's so easy to get focused on the one little negative, little obstacle. In Israel, in 1948, it became a nation again after 2,000 years of being scattered abroad, the nation of Israel. I have a great investment in my own soul in Israel, being from a Jewish family. My mother exiled the Holocaust. When she was just a little girl of eight years old, she got in a refugee ship that took her and her family from Berlin to Cape Town, South Africa, where I was born. So I'm what's known as a born-again Jewish (laughs) African-American, in a nutshell. Anyway, so I have a great investment or interest or focus on these things, or salvation comes from the Jews, so I learned so much. Jesus said in Matthew 13, he said that a teacher of the law who is enlightened in the kingdom of God is like a a wealthy man who takes from his treasure from the old and the new and brings them out. So they are a great asset both sides. And why I'm telling you that in 1948, when Israel became a nation again, after so many 2,000 years, there was no land to be bought. It was owned by the Turks and the British and it was pretty much taken up. And it was a real fight to find any kind of land, however small. But there was a portion in the northern parts of Israel, just north of Galilee. For those who are unfamiliar with Israel, I go there often myself, so I'm very familiar with the, with the relief or the actual nation. Uh, Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. has a different climate and atmosphere. It is fed by the mountains that melt, the snow caps that melt in spring and come down the Jordan into the Galilee area. And then from Galilee, Jordan goes out to the Dead Sea, which is now 1,300 feet below sea level. And the Galilee area is fed by this river and this estuary or this valley that comes from the mountain has become a swamp over the years because it gets flooded on either side quite drastically. And what happens is with this constant flooding is that nobody does well there financially, so the land is really inexpensive. And when 1948 occurred, they settled there, and they bought land, these Jews from all over the world, and began to try and farm and make a living. The first 40 years, a generation came and went, and it was totally disastrous. And the second generation came and went, and nothing succeeded. It was completely and desolate and difficult and everything was failed. And they began to seek God, these Jews, and they asked the Lord and if God to- told them to change the names of all the villages in this, what you might know as Caesarea Philippi, which is that's re- that's the whole region known the Bible refers to that northern section of the Galilee. And so they changed all the villages' names to Hebrew names that were victorious and names of God that would be signify power and victories and such like and then the lord spoke them to put to plant eucalyptus trees which they did and it dried and balanced out the water usage so much so that when i take tours now i stop and show them the lands that are as far as the eye can see that were never in thousands of years productive now are the most sought after in the whole nation of israel when it comes to planting because the soil is so rich I showed them strawberries. I remember still showing them strawberries the size of an apple that not eaten by any kind of pestilence, whether whether it's birds or whether it's uh, snails, how amazingly blessed this area has been. And the bottom line is 80 years came and went, and they could have given up and gotten really tired. It's a person's entire lifespan. But they kept on and kept on and kept on and didn't give up. And then they changed the name the way they spoke. They no longer called those old villages the names that were before. Now they became called in God's names. The names, names are very important. The way we speak is of paramount importance. In fact, the entire ecology of God's kingdom is based on words. God spoke, Let there be light, and there was light, and he the word became flesh. So words are very powerful. I'm fully persuaded, had Abraham changed his name earlier in his life, he was 99 when he his thirteen-year-old son Ishmael was with him when the angel came and said, Do "You to change your name to to, uh, to Abraham, which means father of many, rather than Abram." And then you to circumcise all the males of your household. Three months after that visitation, the changing his name, the, his wife was with child, pregnant. I'm fully convinced in my heart that had he changed his name in the beginning there would have been a much quicker response, and she may have gotten pregnant earlier, because he began to confess. Imagine changing your name. Everyone's calling you Abram, 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 and you've got to stop them and say, excuse me, my name is Abraham. You've got to call me that now. It's it's a constant reciting of what God says, agreeing with God's word. It's not logical. It's not practical. People will tell you insane, but that's how God's kingdom is set up. We've just come through the year 2020, and soon it'll become a memory and probably branded as the COVID year, and Lord knows what else it might be branded as. It's been a a most unusual year for all of us, and the year before that, God spoke to me to be a crazy year, but he did tell me that 2021 will be a demonstration of his power, him, himself. He's going to demonstrate himself on the earth and do some interjections, injections, interactions with the world that nobody can deny would be a good positive act of God. And they may try and talk it away, but God is about to do some wonderful things. Are you still here with me? All right. Fear is not in your framework of reference because fear is your enemy. The enemy is after your faith. He's not after anything that you are being attacked in, whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be your marriage. When the devil attacks you, what he's really after is your faith. In his reference, he's wondering, what would it take to make you doubt God? I must be able to do something to you that will make you think God's forsaken you or forgotten you. And that's what he's always doing. He's pounding your faith to make you wonder if you can just get one doubt. It's all he needs, one doubt. The first time he spoke in the Bible, he spoke to Eve, and he said, did God really say? One doubt. One doubt. Did God say? Are you sure? And she had to recite what God had said, and even that she got wrong. And so the devil's always out to get us. Now, 2021 is going to be a much better year than the year we just come through. It doesn't take much to be in than this year. <clears throat> But it is a good thing, it is a wonderful good thing. I would need you to be positive because you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, and the world looked to us. Islam is not gonna help us, neither will any Buddhist or Hare Krishna. We need it to be the salt and the light of the world. We are the hope and the voice to the world, not only with our words, but also in our example and our lifestyle, and we need to continue adjust and adapt it to that. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Thank you so very much. I'd like to read from the book of John, Chapter 16, we have four gospels. I base my entire life on the gospels. It's uh, the actual words of Jesus. I'm a follower. I personally am a follower of Jesus. I'm not a follower of Paul, Peter, or John, or any disciple. I learn from them, but I follow Jesus. And I particularly try to mold my life and thought patterns and whole lifestyle onto everything he teaches, says, and actually exemplified. And that's whenever I refer back to him. Now, in the four Gospels we have, we are, I always wish they'd given us a little more information, a little more written down. Matthew was a tax collector and, like most disciples, had his own disciples. And these were written, this, this book of Matthew is most likely written by his disciples because it's written in 70 AD and he was already come and gone. Mark was one of the 70 and a nephew to Barnabas. As you may know, Barnabas and his sister were very spiritual people. And if you want to, if you're interested in the book of Acts, chapter 12, it was the house of Barnabas' sister, or Mark's mother, that Peter, when he was released from prison, went to when they found and were praying, and he knocked on the door, and they didn't open the door for him. That was Mark's mother's house, or Barnabas' sister's house. They were a very avid spiritual family. Barnabas was a remarkable man. Him and Mark had some differences. They were on the journey with Paul, as you may well know. But Mark wrote his book, and his book was probably, in the early few hundred years, the most used and most referenced book throughout the early church. And that's why so many of the writings of the book of Mark, you'll find it says this early manuscripts do not contain this portion because it's been rewritten so many times and was used so much. It's a much shorter book. You can see the focus of his life and how he referred to the miraculous and supernatural and been very much to the point, very much a young. Most of the disciples were, not most, all of them were younger than Jesus. Jesus was 30 years old when he began his ministry. All the disciples were young. John, for example, was about 18 or 19. And the four boys that came from Capernaum, Peter was 24 about, just newly wed, and, of course, these are all younger gentlemen, and so when they got older. John is the only one we know that for sure wrote his book himself. He refers to himself in it five times, the one whom Jesus loved, so he refers to himself. From the Isle of Patmos, most likely he wrote the book with the help of some aid. He probably wasn't alone as an old person. He would have had someone helping him and serving him and wrote some. That's why some of the style in the book of John changes slightly, and even in his letters there are different as, he, as someone writes for him. And so um, so I'm teaching you this because I want you to stimulate your interest in God's word. Because you are the salt of the earth and the Bible should be the most precious writings of your life. It should be the most important thing. For me, it certainly is. I'm like a child at Disney when I go to the ark in Kentucky. I've been there several times to view the ark, made to scale by the Amishers. It's quite something exciting. I get very excited about the things of the Lord, and I hope you do too. We are family, and you should be excited about the things of God. What do you say? Thank Thank you. Now, in the book of John, John writes very differently to the Matthew, Mark, He's didn't He avoided trying to tell a historical point of book of view. He wrote his story from his angle after many years. Remember, he was only 18 or 19, and he was very confident that Jesus liked him. Yet he didn't do anything supernatural in the beginning. You'll find him and Peter walked together to go to the up to the temple, and it wasn't John, but rather Peter, that would get a hold of the lame man and, and pull him up and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. It was not was not johnny was too young and he was still growing and learning but he accumulated information and the understanding and the depth of what he was teaching you can see in the beginning of the book of john is he doesn't go to the birth of the virgin birth or john the baptist but he goes to the actual spiritual connotation or importance of christ become manifest on the earth now in john 16 verse 12 he quotes the words of jesus which he often does he recites them for us and i want to recite this to you jesus says jesus saying these words to his disciples the ones he's been teaching for three and a half years, I have much more in verse 12 to say to you. Now, you know we want God to tell us stuff. We want God to give us some information. If we, are, we feel very armed if God will only tell us stuff. But it's my understanding, having walked to the Lord since I'm 13, which is quite a few years now, that he's not one to give a lot of information away. He'll give you just enough to keep you going in the right direction, and that's about it. <clears throat> On a day of hard teaching, all day in the sun, very exhausted, he asked the disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. Not always the most amicable thing because we all know the wind blows down the Golan Heights and causes the wind to be very bumpy, the lake to be bumpy in the afternoons. Hence, when we go to Galilee, I take my tours always in the morning on the boats, not out in the evenings. When we have big boats then, they had small ones. But nevertheless, a few of them launched out and he just so tired took a nap did he know there'd be a storm? I'm convinced he knew there'd be a storm. Didn't stop him sending them to the other side. <clears throat> Life has many challenges and storms in, on our journey. Whether you name frame, ball, squall, scream, shout, throw fits, it's not going to change the storms. They are there. Whether you are Christian or non-Christian, storms are storms. The rain will fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Don't whine. Don't complain. God's really got a plan. If he told you, you're going the other side. I wondered when we got to March and we had the COVID hit us, because the Lord had told me that there was going to be three different waves, and one of them was going to be worse than the others but it would not affect me, only inconvenience me. And I was telling God, this is a lot more than inconvenience for me. How come you didn't just tell me? And this is what he answered me. Had I told you, like the ones in the, going out in the storm in the lake, and I would have told them there's a storm on the way to the other side, they would have forgotten about the other side and focused on the storm and tied the boat, got rid of all the heavy things out of there that have prepared themselves for a storm, not for the other side. And that's, that defeats and defies the whole journey of faith. If you're always focused on the storm rather than on the other side or the victory so God doesn't tell us stuff because we cannot handle it he says I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear or handle we just can't handle what God wants to say there are many things that influence our ability to hear God it's not just we're not mature enough we react or fearful, but sometimes we're not devoted or committed enough. Sometimes we have a difficulty just yielding to God because we want God to agree with us or do it our way. We have a difficulty when God tells us things we just don't want to hear. If God would tell me to go to Hawaii for a week, I would rejoice and be glad. But if God told me to give $1,000 in the offering, I'd break out in a sweat. <laughs> Why? why is why are some things so much more palatable for us than other things it's because of our nature, it's because of who we are and the whole devotion to the Lord and that's why I, when our Christmas time comes I always think of Mary, the mother of Jesus I just marvel at her when she, a 15 year old girl meets an angel telling her she's going to have a baby not something that happens on a daily basis That not happen, well that happened to my cousin too or I knew that was going to happen it was a total foreign, weird, strange thing to happen, but her response was, let it be to me according to your will. And I pray, God, only if I could be just 1% like that, that I could respond to God and say, let it be to me according to your will. Even if I don't agree, it doesn't make any sense, I will do whatever you want. If I can just find a handful of people in this world that would respond to God in such a way that whatever you want from me, I will do whatever you ask. King David wasn't a great man after God's own heart because of his good morals. Lord knows he didn't have good morals. And he had all kinds of strange difficulties in his life, but it's clearly in Acts 13:22. it says, God removed Saul, gave them David as king, and said, I testified concerning David, a man after my own heart, because he will do everything I ask him. Simply, he's a man after my own heart, because he will do what I ask. And I want to be that. I so want to be that man or that person that can do what God says. We have difficulty hearing what God says because it doesn't always agree with us, let alone doing it. Sometimes it's just more of a challenge even just to listen, let alone do actually act out those things. And then when it's so simple and easy and we can hear it, we often have a great difficulty trying to just walk and do those things, do those things. We just, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it the next day. And we just don't get around to it. And what made David a man of the goats so an heart, he even did what he thought God was saying. He just did it. He ran to do it. If I can just be a little like that, like Mary, let it be to me according to your will. The Bible says she hid the word of God in her heart. She didn't run back and say, Mom, Dad, I've got good news, I'm pregnant. <laughs> but it's not Joseph. No, it's God. God made me pregnant. I mean, it's really bizarre, strange journey to walk on, but she did. Now, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I really have a situation where I want to communicate more, but you're not ready for it. And there are things God would tell us about 21 and different things in our lives individually, but we just can't always process it correctly. So the first thing I want to appeal to you is to try and... Work your heart to a place that you yielded to him more, that you're willing that he can speak some things because you're willing to do whatever he says, even if you don't agree or make sense to you. Can you imagine a great creator that has to explain stuff to us? You know, the Bible is already so dumbed down for us to try and follow. I mean, think about the Bible it says there was a garden and there were two trees two trees. I been mean, talking, that's real baby language to us, because God is a creator of m- many galaxies, and he has to redumb the Bible down so we can just get a little bit of a grasp, and then we get these people that act like they know what God's doing and saying, like, really? I don't know when you got in that plane, but I'm way f- far from whatever God says to me to not understand what God's saying, because it's so, it's so powerful. When God's, big and he has to dumb it down for me because I don't get it always. And in our own journeys too, he's limited. What he can tell us because we react, we panic, we go through so many things. So he has to tell us in a simple way, but he cares. I can honestly reassure you, he cares about you intimately and your future is very important to him. Very important. He spent a very expensive price to get you into the kingdom. It wasn't a small thing. He didn't say, "Ah, which son can I send? Which one of you guys? He only had the one. He surrendered all that he had. That's how important you are. Now, when you go to heaven, you'll be singing, I'm redeemed, hallelujah, I'm redeemed. But you'll not find one single angel there singing that song. There'll be angels, but not redeemed ones, because there aren't any redeemed. Not one angel was worth saving, but you were to die for. You're that important to God. The angels only sinned once. They rebelled against God. An entire third rebelled against him, and a lake of fire is waiting for them. You've, you've sinned more than once a week, but you've been redeemed. What an amazing salvation! Hebrews says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? A gift from God. A wonderful salvation, nothing like it. It's a gift, nothing we can earn or deserve. It's a free gift. There has never been told a story of such great salvation. Every religion on the face of the earth, you've got to work, do something, pay a price. This has been paid for. It's free. You've got to be brain damaged not to want to get saved. You can only win this, no loss, nothing. It's the most wonderful salvation. That's why there'll be no mercy for those that do not accept him, because it's such a free gift. You cannot ignore it. <clears throat> now, he says, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. Then he says, But when he, the spirit of truth comes, the spirit of truth comes, the spirit of truth. I must stop and tell you the word truth is not the opposite to lies. That's human understanding. Truth is way supersedes all understanding and facts. Truth is what God is. He's the way, the truth. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's not because he tells lies on occasions, because the truth that's about to follow out of his mouth is not just a fact or something you can understand. But something so profound in your life, I'm telling you the truth, and something profound follows, most remarkable. He will guide you into all truth. Truth is the, the understanding, the, the revelation, the power, the, the very being of God. He's going to guide you only if you're willing to follow because that's what guides do. They don't force you. He will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit is a fascinating entity and part of the, of the Trinity to me. It's very fascinating. He, he doesn't have a personality like the Father and Son and Jesus had to go to be able to send him. Yet if you speak against him or blaspheme him, you will be held accountable. You'll not be forgiven. Every sin in the world, murder, every evil thing will be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You could blaspheme the Father and Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit. And yet he's very different. He doesn't speak on. He says here, He will. Jesus said he will not speak on his own. He will speak only What he hears, he's going to come and refer us. I have to send him, but he'll refer me. He'll refer me to you, and he will tell you of what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you of the future. And we have continually a future. The difficulty is he doesn't tell you the whole future, just some of it, the other side. forgets to mention the, the storm in between. He mentions the land of milk and honey, forgets to mention the hard, difficult journey through the Red Sea, deserts, the people already, possessed the, already possessing the milk and honey. I mean, that's a journey. At the time that they possessed the land, there was so much land available throughout the world, God couldn't send them somewhere else. Why they had to go to a place that's already got all these different Philistines already? Why? Why? Because God gives you a promise, and He wants you to fight for what He said. That's the only way you're going to get strong. you have got to fight for what he says. It doesn't just land it in your lap. In fact, 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, Timothy, my son, I charge you in accordance with the prophecies that by them, nine years in your funny of your Bible, you have fight the good fight. <laughs> you have fight the good fight of faith. You have fight the good fight of faith. And one thing to get a word or a God speak to you. Another thing to have to fight that faith, fight, all the time, because the devil's going to do all he can to discredit that thing and stop you believing. He will tell you what is yet to come. 2021, God is going to demonstrate himself. Yes. This was a year that the world was left to their own vices, didn't work. The Lord spoke to me some about a month ago, woke me up one Saturday morning and said, why is it people are investing so much time and energy in prayer in my church into the elections, which is only a four-year situation, and kings will come and go, and I'll still be in the throne. Yet nobody is focusing on COVID, he says. And then he took me to the scripture in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 12, where King Asa, King Asa, who was the fourth king after David, who had reigned 42 years in his 39th year, he, the Bible says he contracted a very severe disease in his feet. And the scripture says in verse 12, rather than seek God, he depended upon his physicians and he died. And so we need not to depend upon our scientists, government, or physicians. We as God's people need to call upon the Lord because he can crush, destroy, annihilate any virus. Yes. Just with the mere mention of his word and he's waiting for his church to call on him. So we launched a Friday, daily Friday prayer thing against COVID. I hardly launched it and it hit my entire family. We all got COVID, and we had it and had it and got over, passed already some weeks ago already. We all um, got cured or healed of it. It wasn't that big an issue. It was like a flu for us all. But the devil got mad. We hadn't had it all the time. And suddenly when I started fighting it, the devil thought, I'm going to show you. And uh, whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard, a wall. God will always, he won't stop the flood, but he will give you a solution or an overcoming power. Do you understand? If you want to avoid storms or floods or attacks, you're in the wrong business, you're in the wrong Christianity. <laughs> but you will never know victory without the challenge. <clears throat> this pastor here has spoken about his daughter, and I, I admire her incredibly, just because she's never whined or complained, and she has reason to. She I would never hold it against her. But he himself, or this, this couple, uh, his wife, too, this uh, Joanna is also always so positive no matter what she 's faces and oh, when she told me the story the first time years ago about Erica, the whole heart I mean, it 's not easy for the parents to go through a journey like that with their children either you know it's a it's their child, but just watching him, he mentions about the building that I marvel at the, it, is, it is something to all but it 's just stuff what I marvel at i 've known the Tree of life church from way back when when Uh, Pastor John was still the pastor and I've watched her come that journey with that whole church for 20, 30 years now and I've watched this man's life and and I'm not not trying to be facetious or insulting but if you look at him, he's not the most likely man to succeed. He's not the most likely man to have the charismatic personality. He's not the kind of guy you think, yeah, he's gonna, that's the guy. And God took the foolish things or what seemed to be less expected of, and did something phenomenal. It's not just the the building, the whole school, the way the school blossomed. and, And I've watched other guys start... These schools, uh, they're they called charter schools, and they flop, and they fail, and they don't make it, and they have difficulties. And he had so many challenges. He kept going, and he has so many of them now, but he kept going. It's a life-changing. They don't call it Christian, but it certainly has a Christian overtone continually to generate good soldiers of God. But his church also grew, and he just kept going. From He never stopped. Every time I looked at me at some project, it was, I was always tired just listening to him talk. I was exhausted. I needed to go lay down and take a nap. Just continually, and even now, it's the continual thing. And here I am in this building now, in this church, and with a word that jumped in my spirit and walked into the building was I'm going to grow this church in pockets. The little groups will keep coming, whole groups, uh, whole families will come, and uh, they'll bring, because this community, this area we're living in, they do not need God. They don't need God, they're self-sufficient, they have enough money and power and things, and they don't, there's not a desperate need for, wherever there's a desperate need, like in Africa, the Lord moves and heals and does miracles, but there are those, there are remnant that have no home, that are circulating, it's been a program for, the year, for years, and they need someone that will lead them in a way that's right and upright. The Lord says your sons will be the ones that will run with the vision. You will father your sons and you will oversight them, but they will do the labor and you need to let them. That's sometimes still a challenge you've allowed, you've learned in the last five years to allow. Some of the others to take the task. It was a very hard task for you to do that because you you would battle it through. You wouldn't, you would lay at nighttime puzzling little things through. And so you come up with solutions. All oh, your mind was 24 hours, seven days a week going. So when someone else hasn't got that same vision, it would trouble you and it wouldn't bother you to leave that task to someone if they didn't do it right, and you'd keep following up and you'd hover constantly over them, which was okay to a certain extent, but you've learned how to relinquish some of the tasks to other people and train them up the best you can even if they make mistakes you're more tolerant of that now and you've learned that pattern and now you to keep going with that same understanding and pattern that your sons can grow because you'll never have soldiers if you're doing it all yourself. You've got to let them, you've got to reproduce yourself and all the things you've learned. You've been a very fast learner that's for sure you're not the person that learns the same thing twice. You get it right the first time, you only make the mistake once. You don't do it twice. It's who you are. And you're so diligent over the years, and you walked a lonely road in many ways. You didn't have someone to undergird and carry you or run to, get advice from you. had to walk it lonely, and that's why God has made you the father. And there are those that look to you from all over and more and more gathering into a network, not because they want to have an apostle that needs to be ushered in and ushered out, but rather someone that they can really get some guidance and some help with. Nobody would have said that, known you since they were young, would have thought you become that apostolic father. But God picked it. God chose you. God chooses who he chooses. It's that simple. So in this church, this is definitely going to be a lot of not... Only people that have been in churches somewhere else, but also unchurched people that have been looking and floating, looking for something and have gotten cold and waxed cold and need a little injection. God has particularly given you a flavor and anointing to heal and bring unity. One of the things that Jesus prayed in John 17, five times, the Lord Jesus prayed the same prayer five times. Why would he repeat himself? Father, make them one as we are one. And the, Acts 3.21 says that the Son of Man will be kept in heaven until the restoration of all things. And God will make his church one. There will be a certain level of united front in the church. The, the, the church it doesn't have to always agree in everything, but the platform will be the same. And God has stimulated something in you to help heal and to bring the church together and to become united. As one, so that's part of your language. And in fact, the next phase of your life will be a lot of that. Life will never be dull to you. Lay your head down; it'll always be some challenge for you, always. And you like it like that. You may get tired of it, but you can't help yourself. You, if you finish the one task, you're really laying on your on your sofa watching TV, thinking of the next task. What needs to be needs to be upgraded again. What needs to be changed? And you can't leave it alone. It's your natural nature. God made you. A real builder, it's who you are. So, getting back to the Holy Spirit, so He will lead you, He will tell you things yet to come. Is that my clock Click ticking me down? Is a clock up there. Is that my clock? I didn't realize. You sure? Okay, I mean, it's not like the crowd's going to rush out here anytime soon. <laughs> <coughs> so, <laughs> So the Holy Spirit is going to tell you things to come. He will give us some information just to give us indicators, to give us something to work towards, but never the full spectrum of the future. Don't expect that. And then he said also, that's the one aspect, so he will tell you things yet to come. But what I also thoroughly enjoy is that he says that he will bring glory to me. He'll tell you what yet to come. Verse 14 says he will bring glory to me. He'll bring glory. The Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. If someone's functioning in the Holy Ghost and it's all about them, you know you must wonder which spirit that is because it can't be the Holy Spirit. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So the two aspects of the Holy Ghost bringing is the futuristic things he's informative of and the information of Jesus himself revealing to us, telling us more of him, revealing us to him. Prophetic words predominantly, you know, you've heard about prophecy everything in the bible that is original it's the world that copy counterfeit signs and wonders everything the devil copies everything nothing's original nothing they copy everything like uh, psychics fortune tellers are all copy of the real thing but the purpose of the gift of prophecy in the Bible is to encourage and strengthen you, not tell your future, not try and make you dependent upon some fortune teller. You must be dependent upon the Lord. You must grow in him, and prophecy should strengthen your relationship with the Lord, should make you hunger and want him all the more. So when the Spirit of God comes, he may tell you of things to come, some futuristic indicators, but he'll also tell you of God's heart towards you, how much he loves you. It's the his expression of love and in a word form you know it's words of affirmation God loves you so much and people often weep when I prophesy not because I'm offending them but because they realize that nobody could have known that it just indicate of God's closeness to them and how small those small things that only God could have known and he wants to reassure you of his great love because he is a wonderful savior and a mighty God there's nobody like him no matter what you've been through going through what you are going to go through it's not going to change who he is no matter what covert for 21 19 is done, it, it doesn't change the, the consistency of our God. He's still God, He's still on the throne, He's still the boss. And you serve an unchanging God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. No question. And God has got good plans. So, Pastor, it's not your labor, your sweat anymore, it's your obedience to let allow and to be finely tuned. You know, you, you hear God, and sometimes. You wonder about that, but I'm here to make it clear from the Lord that you actually, it's just sometimes because your heart's so in harmony with the Lord, just a thought. You get a, you're get you driving along and you get a thought to call someone and it's more prophetic than you realize. And the decisions you make 99% of the time are inspired of the Holy Ghost because you're devoted to that. You have no other, other interest but the things of God. You're a fanatic. All right. So, all that belongs to the Father is mine and that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The Holy Ghost came at what we Jews call Shaviot. There are seven feasts that we celebrate. Shaviot is the fourth one. The three are related to the Pascha or Passover. And then 50 days later, we have Shaviot, which is uh, the, the celebration of the Pentateuch, which is the five books that Moses wrote or was dictated to the books that he wrote. And so Shaviot was 10 days after Christ ascended he spent 40 days on the earth, and I'm not sure why. He rose from the grave and had to spend 40 days here. Nights and where he slept, what he did, that's very little limited information. We know he's appeared to 500 people. We know that he walked through walls. We know he ate food. We know several things, but that is still limited to these actual actions. But 40 days of and 40 very significant in the Bible and God's ecology. We had 40 days of the flood days. We had 40 days that Christ fasted. We had 40 days. So many of these things are clearly important to God, the numbers. God is definitely into numbers. There's an entire book devoted just to numbers, and God does care about numbers. God is not metric. The whole world is in tens and twenties and hundreds, and we are in dozens. God says there's 12 disciples. There's 144,000 in, in the, at the banquet, and so the things are different. God's number system is different to ours. Boy, you're an excited bunch. You take it down and notch or two. <clears throat> So 2021, of course, the Jewish or the calendars are a little bit messed up, as you might know. Christ was actually born in 6 BC, if you want to be, if you're interested, in April but uh, either way, we are going into a different time, and God has got it all under control. You are very important, and, it's a, and you should be excited about your life. You don't understand all these workings. You look in the mirror, and you see yourself aging. That's just the house you live in. You are immortal. You will not die. Jesus said, he that believes me will not die. So you, while you're in this body, you must fulfill all that God's given you. You don't get a chance to do it again. Yeah. You have only yeah. one time you go through this earth... Do all you can for the Lord. Make every day count. You only have 12 to 16 hours a day. The rest you sleep. So you must try and do all you can for the Lord and that you train yourself to listen and to obey him to do what he wants. Be that Mary, that whatever you want, Lord, or whatever it be to me according to your will. And be that David that will do whatever God says and let watch the exciting part of your life grow. God is a good God. The devil can just go to hell.